If you've been out of business for a while and need to understand etiquette in the workplace, or you want to know how to better manage your time, then you need business etiquette. You're on a lunch date with a customer and you want to feel confident about dining etiquette and introducing your clients correctly to others. You also need business etiquette. This course also teaches you how to public speak, how to set your lifetime and daily goals. If you're in sales, this course and class is a must. We sometimes believe times have changed to casual, but casual does not mean non-professional. Our Champion School of Real Estate Etiquette course fills up quickly for people from all walks of life. The loud voices of body language, the slam dunk preparation for the job interview, the powerful first impressions you want to make with your clients, all of these are part of this must-take two-day course. It's through Champion School of Real Estate's virtual campus, so you can enjoy the course from home. The best $145 you can spend to get you prepared for your new career. Santa Maria, CEO, Champion School of Real Estate, the nation's leader in real estate education. Our goal is to jumpstart your career, boost your career to the next level, give you insight into what a career as an entrepreneur in real estate is all about. Real estate is the career of top producers, and we are always finding the creme de la creme or best in the business who openly share their steps to success and they are always champions. This gentleman is known all over by music icons, by world leaders, by corporate CEOs, and he is most definitely one of our favorite interviewees because just during COVID, he was on CNN. He's been on Oprah. He knows Dick Clark. Um, Beyonce wrote uh, a wonderful testimonial in one of his books. So today, when we talk with Hank, it's going to be about the business side of real estate, mortgage, brokerage, appraisal, inspection, Whatever your particular um, career direction is, everything that Hank tells you today, I can tell you, I try to use within Champion School of Real Estate. I love your books. Uh, we can get them on Amazon. We can get them from you. Fine. But you're yeah. going to tell us the best way to order your amazing books, Hank. I had some business books, one called The Business Tree, one called The High Cost of Doing Nothing, another one called Power Stars to Light the Flame, The, the Visionaries and You, meaning uh, you in, in business. Uh, that was a leadership book, a motivational book. And, and, I, and I wrote an entertainment book uh, about the Hollywood film industry. It was called The Classic Television Reference. And that was the one that got me on Oprah years ago. And uh, so then this one uh, was was my first Felix Prize nominated book. That's book nine, Pop Icons and Business Legends. Uh, then uh, that was book eight. And then I have to think of the numbers of them because they're in order. Uh, this is book nine, uh, my second, which is Nonprofit Legends. This one is my baby uh, for the reason that I think Whatever we do, I I've been given a lot of great mentorship over the years. And one of my mentors used to say to me, you do your best work for free, meaning that the way that you do whatever volunteer things that you commit to do, that this is commensurate with the way that you're going to be very professional. And I built a lot of my career by being 
uh, friends with top business leaders uh, on the charity circuit. And sometimes the best deals you cut are at uh, volunteer meetings and board meetings. And if people like you, they will admire you and they'll recommend you. And that's one of the things that the real estate community is really good at is building relationships and sustaining them. We have in all of our books that you need to get yourself associated with a charity, a group, a club, and volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. Mm-hmm. Because A, you're giving back to the community that you hope gives mm-hmm. you business. Mm-hmm. And so it's a win, win, win. None of us are in business to give all of our time away. But when we do, we want to make it count. Okay. We, we want to make sure that in your planning, which I'll talk about that a little bit, you know, strategic planning is not a dirty term. It's a very nice term. It's a very success-oriented term. And when you do your planning for your business, make sure that your charitable and volunteer involvement is strategized in advance for the year. Decide which charities you're going to support this year, next year, the year after. So budgeting for those particular It's it's complete. Just like you would budget your time, you Mm -hmm. budget uh, your your most important resource, uh, one of it. Part of it is your time. Part of it is whatever monetary contributions. But I recommend a lot of people in business and in the real estate community don't make cash donations, make in-kind donations, find new creative ways. One of the best things people in, in real estate could do is on your website, put a little corner, something at the bottom of the website, a little page uh, called the charity corner and talk about the thing and show pictures of yourself doing good guy things in the community. I love that. I hope everyone wrote that down because honestly, uh, we're going to do that at Champion School of Real Estate. Yeah. <laughs> we give, we give, we give, and our industry knows that. We have it in our catalog. But on the website, having that and showing where we yeah. are and what we're doing is huge. I know. It's huge. So it is. And remember as well, students, uh, customers, friends, that when this interview is over, it will be on YouTube. So you can watch Hank again. So sorry to interrupt. And some other ones that we did. You know, the last one we did during COVID was a year and a half ago. Uh, by Zoom, and that was, we, we covered a lot of other material, you know, there's plenty of material to cover. Uh, and then the next books that I did, my 10th book, this was my third Pulitzer nomination, and as I'm, I'm not really here to sell the books, I'm explaining what, what. I want our students to yeah. consider if they have the opportunity to purchase my favorite, and I just saw a chat from Randy Smith, one of our lead senior instructors who's actually on vacation this week, but he's watching today. And he was saying the business series is his favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Problem with business. uh, A lot of, a lot. And this is, it's so true. Too many companies want to look like someone else. They don't know how to be their own best. And what I learned through charitable and volunteer work was how to be your own best and then take it into uh, the the corporate realm and make your career, how you're going to brand yourself for the rest of your career. And part of it you do by your volunteer work, part of it you do by your professional development work, part of it you do by your involvement in trade and professional associations, you know, you know, Which we're very strong at Champions. And, and, and many of, of them, yeah, WCR and a lot of them. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of those chapters. I love them. And, and I love you. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it, 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 it's just, you know, they're, they're the backbone of everything that's going on now and for the generations. You know, the, one of the most important things about business that's robust, if, if you think of it that way, and I do, um, is that there are six generations now in the workforce, which is more than we've ever had in any part in our history. So let me ask six you this, generations. because I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Your books, are they formulated for Gen Y, Gen Z? Tell me about that. Gen Y and Gen Z, because uh, 
and, and and maybe some Gen X, you know, the, 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 it's a long story. We've all, during our earlier years in business, growing up and coming along, we had to put up with a lot of people with obsolete ideas. And we became the beacons of the future. And the problem with too many people in business, most of what they're teaching at colleges and universities is usually two generations behind. They're still teaching the captain of industry style of business, which went out of style in the 1920s. And that was wow. replaced by building work teams. That was later replaced by uh, customer service. The current style of business, customer-focused management, has been the, the dominant style of business for 20 years. And, and a lot of people in business still don't know that because they're still operating under the captain of industry style business, which was a 1890s Victorian style of business that continued through the 1920s and which helped cause the Great Depression. Another topic that's covered in this book, by the way, every crisis except for the current one uh, is in here. The Great Depression, the economic downturns, every what we should have learned from every recession, uh, that's all in volume one. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, we talked about it earlier, and I think it is just remarkable that during COVID, you wrote two books, correct? Or one and a half? Um, <laughs> and pieces of others. Uh, yeah, two. two. The equivalent of two. And the one that I think amazes me is he has the pop music legends. And then he also has the other one on pop culture. Yeah. And what is so this incredible. Is the is, they're, they're companions yeah. of each other. What is so surprising to me, and I use the word incredible, but we have information here that helps us in our business based on things like the songs that you like based right. on um, explain how that is a holdover to CEOs and corporation leaders, how music they like actually helps yeah. sort of expose the type of leadership they are. They need to be. How does that work? Well, most of us are more products of the pop culture in which we grew up than we are formal business training. People then go to school and if they're, what they're teaching you is two generations uh, of business style behind, you're being taught wrong stuff to begin with. I mean, when I was in college in the 60s, they were all teaching economics, but they never talked about everything that I do for a living, which is, uh, you know, overhaul corporations, reconfigure the boards of directors, you know, all that stuff. They don't teach you any of that stuff. So that's why I started writing the Big Picture Business series was to cover all the stuff that it, that I and others were never taught. And, uh, and, and then that's what, you know, that's the rest of that series. That's Big Picture Book Two, and that's Book Three. And then Book, and this came out, Book Three came out, which I think is what we talked about on the podcast the last we time. We did. Uh -huh. uh, uh, just as COVID, just before, this came out just before COVID break, broke. So I was getting ready to do the music series, which I've been postponing for over five years. And I had to do a book four uh, to talk about business recovery since COVID. This is my sixth Pulitzer. Let's talk about that. Business recovery since COVID. It doesn't get any more up to date than that. No, no. <laughs> I can't even imagine putting a book together of that quality talking about business after COVID. Tell us about it. Well, a lot of people and, 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 and today, I mean, a lot of people want to believe that COVID is in the rearview mirror. It is not. Uh, and the mindsets that cause people to think that way are still with us. Uh, there are people that still believe that lessons they should have, you know, let's take the last major crisis was the economic downturn of 2008, 2009. A lot of we people- We call it the take, housing crisis. Of course. Uh -huh. And 
and and there were housing crises before, you know, mm -hmm. in the early 80s. And, and, and everything's very cyclical. Part of it is to understand that business trends are a little different from economic trends, but that they all go through cycles and they don't necessarily at the same time. And so a lot of people during COVID were thinking, oh, well, this is going to be with us for, a, you know, a month and then we'll all go back to normal. Exactly. That mindset is what caused people to let their guards down and start going uh, you know, acting as well, though we they were gone through a pandemic before. We hadn't gone through a lot of things before. You know, a crisis hitting an organization and an economy. Sometimes it's more than just an airplane hitting a building in New York City. We hadn't been through that. Mm -hmm. We all learned to collectively learn and grow. But what we learn from each crisis is that people can be resilient, they can change, they can learn to collaborate, they can learn to work together, and maybe they'll uh, do things a little differently. It is my professional opinion, to be real honest about business during and after COVID, that about 25% of those companies that went under, probably should have, probably weren't prepared to go the distance. They weren't prepared to be resilient enough. Uh, I run into, and one, that's one of the things that I like about the real estate and, and community of, of professionals. Everyone started out probably as something else and they evolved. I've got a lot of friends that that in and, and it's the same thing way I feel by the way about people who manage nonprofit organizations. They didn't start out working for charities. People in real estate have worked in other kinds of industries. They've been in other forms of business. They've evolved their careers. They're smart enough to come get the kind of training with working with Champion School of Real Estate and have solid foundations. A lot of people that are probably taking uh, courses now and watching this program as part of it had previous business education in colleges umpteen years ago, uh -huh. and, and they were taught styles of business that were totally obsolete umpteen years ago, but they didn't have, you know, one of the innovations in continuing education and distance learning. Uh, I first wrote about distance learning in the year 1970. And people kept saying, oh, that's never going to work. Well, you are place. a futurist, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, it was. What was distance learning in the 70s? It was videotaping okay. classes with big, bulky equipment and playing them elsewhere and about that time we learned to use satellite technology everything that that's happened in the 1990s and 2000s had its root in things that were being done experimentally in the 60s and 70s it's just the public didn't know about that they didn't know that you could link computers together you know i mean i was 40 years old before I ever worked on a computer myself. And yeah, I was a futurist, but I was hunting and pecking on a typewriter for the first, what, 30 years of my career. Well, let me interrupt you for just a minute and let our students know. Hank was, I'm going to say, the youngest consultant to a president in history. Yeah. He was a consultant to LBJ in the White House. I also want to say that I have a quote here. Well, I'll just find it on my paper from uh, Lady Bird Johnson. Mm -hmm. Hank Moore speaks from the brain and from the heart. I've personally observed his futuristic projections and insights. And um, obviously, what a compliment from Lady Bird. I know she even fixed grilled cheese sandwiches for you in yeah. their home out in the hill country. Um, she was my first mentor. Your first mentor. Yeah. I was 10 years old and I started my career as a radio disc jockey. I wanted to be the Dick Clark of Texas Radio and I worked for the Johnson Radio Station in Austin. And uh, 
I, I was playing the hits of the day, the golden age of rock and roll. That's why my interest in everything started with my interest in music, music. and it kept going. And I was wanted to, to maintain a long-term career in business. And Lady Bird uh, called me over. Actually, the first meal she cooked for me was pancakes for okay. breakfast in her kitchen. And she called me over and she said, you are a visionary. You are a humanitarian. And then she slyly smiled, now grow into the roles. Uh, and in other words, she was giving my younger self my best advice. And it took me many years to grow into that advice. And so she said, um, and then as time went on, she said, said you do understand this, this running a radio station is how we make our money. This is this is in 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 music and being a DJ and all that. That's for young people. You're evolving into other things. And I said, "What?" And she said, "Well, someday my husband's going to be president, and we want you to be a White House advisor." I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. So I went from age ten, my first job being a radio DJ. And I was groomed for the next five years. And then it, when he became president uh, after Kennedy's assassination, I was uh, 16 years old at the time. And I was, I, you know, no one ever asked me during the entire five and a half years that he was president and I'd go around the White House. I was never old enough to vote for anybody. But I sure could think of policy ideas because people let me. They lit, and that's my thing about young people. We are all, if we really think about it, young people at heart. And we continue and we add the knowledge and the wisdom, but we always be youthful, A, by refreshing ourselves, that's professional development, and passing it on to others, mentoring other young people. So that's why I'm so excited about sharing all this with generations X, Y, and Z. Well, I also want everyone to know that um, Hank was also a consultant for George Bush when he was president mm -hmm. in the White House with his, what was it called? The thousand points, points of, of life. Thousand points of life. Um, and then moving into the big picture of business with those books, um, obviously that evolved over the years. And the number of corporations that you have spoken to, Disney, Marriott, Shell Oil, I mean, it is a Schlumberger. It is an amazing, amazing yeah. list. I think 50 or so out of the Fortune 500 companies you've spoken to. Um, and advised on and strategy, advised. 100 actually. And I should say actually consulting and advised, not spoken to. Many of there were many I spoke to that didn't want to listen to me and didn't <laughs> want to do the planning. I mean, you know, sometimes you you got to understand that. And, and I wrote a chapter in 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 one of my business books called "The Fine Art of Failure," and which is we learn three times more from failure than from success. Usually, other people's failure, sometimes our own. But when we go back and really study. And that's what, uh, you know, people listening today and, and watching, you know, you can think back to the, some of the biggest mistakes that you made in business. And if you had known what you know now, uh, you probably wouldn't have made them. You know, uh, crisis management and preparedness, you know, when we go back to talk about business crises, there's all kinds of crises that can, uh, and there's that chapter on that in one of the books. I think it's book two. Um, and, 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 you know, if you go back and think of what you're going to do to avert the next crisis, that's your crisis management. And, and that's planning. the futuristic thinking also, is how do we look forward to avert that same situation from happening again? So when you're called in to consult, let's say you're called in to actually give constructive criticism mm -hmm. about the leadership in a company. Okay. How do you deliver, let's say, constructive criticism to the CEO of the company or one of the leaders of the company? How do you do that 
knowing you're paid to be fully transparent and yet you're going to tell the CEO how they need to improve. How do you do that? But that's, it took me a lot of years of begging for their approval. And I had to learn if you go in as the expert, and it's not to tell them what to do, it's to give them the methodologies to make the change, to help them them think that they're their own ideas. So you can you can do that by and and I ask sometimes I ask all these song lyric questions because most CEOs can't tell you their core values. They have to be told by somebody what the next set of values are. So I would sit and and you brought the song lyric thing of uh, at where the great ideas came from. There's a chapter in this book, the, the current book, Big Picture Business Book 4, the end of that series, uh, uh, called uh, Scraps of Paper. Uh, how scraps of paper and random thoughts created masterful new businesses. And um, my my when I was writing that chapter four years ago, uh, my, my wife and I jokingly referred to that as the barf back chapter. <laughs> because some of the top strategic plans that I have written for corporations, including Hewlett Packard, <laughs> Marriott, started on the back of barf bags on airplanes. Wow. That's where you grab a piece of paper and you write things down. And so every time that I would talk to top CEOs, they'd say, oh, I got to write that down. And you're having lunch with someone and they write it down. And in 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 this book, I, I showed how Bill Gates wrote his original um, plan for Microsoft on the back of a take, takeout Chinese menu how Rod Canyon. That's when he was uh, came, inspired. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it it for designed the compact computer on the back of a House of Pies placemat. House of Pies down on Kirby Drive. Wow. You know, a great breakfast place. He was having breakfast there and and the only piece of paper handy was a House of Pies placemat. Now what book is that in? Uh, this book. It's 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 the uh, scraps of paper chapter. We don't use the term barf bag in it. But but uh, uh, actually, there's a picture of a barf bag uh, with the, the program. I mean, I remember one time working with Hewlett Packard, and it's on the back of that where I said um, uh, we were we were. I was traveling with a couple of people on the plane, and I said, you know, your problem is you give to way too many consulting services. Why don't you have a consulting division? We never thought of it. So I'm jotting on, like on a barf bag. I mean, I mean mm-hmm. you know, when I did the original, um, came up with the original concept of my business tree concept of the, the, the seven parts of it and all of that, I jotted that down on a scrap of paper uh, from a VHS videotape. Remember, people, most people are too sure. young to know what videotapes were, but when you buy one, uh, it's a blank one to record stuff mm-hmm. off the TV, like we did back in the 1980s mm-hmm. and 90s. Uh, you, there was always a, a, a thing of paper with, um, if you wanted to take the labels off of it. So I scribbled, I created that on a VHS tape scrap. Well, you've made a couple of good points that I want to restate to our students okay. because they're so valuable. And one point being, what are your core values? Stop and really evaluate and think, what are, what are the core values going to be in my profession? Mm-hmm. And what is my mission statement going mm-hmm. to be? Exactly. And have that as your guideline, almost a very simple outline. Mm-hmm. And then you're talking about scraps of paper and writing down ideas and these amazing, amazing multi-billionaires that started their business, you don't have to make it a formalized business plan. You don't have to make it a formalized commitment to whatever your particular direction is, but jot down the direction you want to go. Jot down what your ideas are. 
Have you ever wondered what a career in real estate is all about? My 30 Days to Success workbook will teach you what an agent should do from their first day in business through their first 30 days. Everything from finding clients to setting up appointments to deciding what office to join and which type of real estate is good for you, be it residential or be it commercial. 30 Days to Success is a training manual for new people. If you are needing additional training in real estate sales, if your company training program is maybe needing improvement, purchase 30 Days to Success for $79, which includes the link to online training as well as the comprehensive 30 Days to Success workbook. this how do you as a real estate company a real estate broker an agent how do you distinguish yourself from the competition is that in one of your books oh it's it's in every book there's always one i mean some people call it creating their their personal brand it's understanding what you like and admire i mean when i when i started working in radio uh, my one of my other early mentors was Bill Moyers, who later, you know, was him. a fixture on PBS. Uh, but when I knew him, he was a 24-year-old newscaster at the radio station. And I was a 10-year-old disc jockey. And I had just interviewed Elvis Presley, the biggest star in America, on live radio. And I thought, hey, I'm hot stuff. And he said, if you can't take the dirtiest job and do it better, he said, first of all, suck it up. You're not going to be Dick Clark. The rest of your life. You can like him, you can admire him, and we all have idols that we have, but we can't be them. We can embody some of their ideals. That's a great point. And and uh, and and you know, I mean, two of the 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 other two of the biggest named Dick Clark proteges that modeled their entire careers off of Dick Clark are two of the biggest stars on TV now. Ryan Seacrest and uh, Carson Daly, you know, and I mean, they even used the Dick Clark salute at the end of the show. Anyway, what I learned was, was to take what I liked and admired and move it forward. And when you come up with your personal vision, you want to think about, you know, what, one of the, the things sometimes when I'm working with people, I'll say, write down very quickly the top 10 things that you've ever learned in your most meant the most to you in your career. The top 10 things that meant the most to you. Yeah, and, and sometimes if I have time, I'll give them a sheet of paper and uh -huh. ask them things like, what was your age at the time when you learned that lesson? What was their age? What was the intended target of their message? And what have you since interpolated over the years of how that stuck with you? So when, when Bill Moyer said to me, suck it up, you're not going to be Dick Clark, uh, that's fine. So I learned how to be my own best self. And then Lady Bird interjected. What he he also said, if you can't take the dirtiest job in any company and do it better than anyone else, you'll never be management because being a worker bee, there are 30 gradations of the workforce out there. And most people are stuck in the bottom rungs because they're just trying to do enough to get by and eking, eking. And only when you get to the mid level, moving upward, do you start becoming more advanced. So that's when you start upgrading your professional development, thus champion school real estate, thus next careers. Then you understand what you learn from nonprofit involvement. You interpolate the, the pop culture lessons that you learn from your favorite songs and how they, you know, appeal to your career. So then you move up, 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 up to where you, then you become a leader. Then you become an opinion leader, <coughs> then you become an opinion influencer, and then on and on and on. Then you start creating your own ideas. Most people can't write books. And, you know, a lot of the books, so that's another subject. There's a lot of junk out there, too. 
and you know vanity things that people do they there's not new original material mm -hmm. but but you you learn and you grow and one of the things Moyer said well do if you got it I'm going to make sure you do the dirtiest job well the dirtiest job I mean I was feeling my oats I just met the king of rock and roll Elvis Presley and I thought I was going to be hot stuff and I was I was going to make it on the American Bandstand as a guest DJ I did later but I did it because I was a business visionary who still liked music, not because I was stuck in a radio DJ mode, uh, because there's everybody burns out from that. So let me tell you what I'm getting from the conversation, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm getting that you can start at the very beginning, let's say the bottom. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to do what you call the dirty work, and you are willing to not think right away you're going to be the top leader in the company if you're willing to take the necessary steps and stay mm -hmm. focused. At some point, you will eventually be where you want to be. Mm -hmm. You're not Dick Clark, but you have your own wonderful persona that has serviced you well. Is that what? And what it, continu it continues on? growing. I mean, I mean, you 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 learn from that, and uh, what what Moyers told me also was how you do the dirtiest job. Well, the dirtiest job at the time was being the radio public service director. That was in the good old days of regulated radio, when radio stations had to give away free time to the community, had to address community issues in order to get their uh, renewal of their license from the FCC in Washington. And I used to write the FCC renewal forms. So I knew how to fill out the forms to say, this is what we have determined. And I learned a term when I was 10 years old, which I still pass along uh, to people in, in small and emerging businesses. And the term is community ascertainment. You go out and ascertain what the marketplace is thinking what they're feeling, what they see on the horizon. And then you ask, what can we do to be a part of that process? Then what you find by asking people in business and in the community what they think, they suddenly think more of you and they're more likely to refer you for business because they respect that you ask. You're already ahead of the game. That's community ascertainment, right. And so I would go over with a pad and paper and talk to these people. And then, uh, and many of them were, you know, ministers and on the other side of town and things like that. And years later, when I got my first White House assignment, I was on the Committee of the Civil Rights Act. Uh, and half the committee that was there to write the first draft were people I had met five years earlier on the community ascertainment circuit. That's the continuum of a good career or multiple career. That's another subject. It used to be said that the average person has three careers in them. They really have seven now. And that it's that seventh one of being the elder statesman, influencer, peak, that I started, I was told I was going to go in that direction, but the art and skill with what you do on the way up is what, so you think about what your end game is going to be, but with not thinking of it as an end game, but as a continuum. Uh, when I, one of the people that, uh, this book, this was my, my eighth book, uh, there's Walt Disney there on the cover, uh, along with Bill Gates and Burt Bacharach and all these people. And I met Walt Disney when I was 17 years old. And he said, and I happened to be in Washington, D.C. Now, you keep thinking, what is a 17-year-old child doing away from school in Washington, D.C.? I was there for the presidential inauguration. And all of these celebrities, you know, were there to attend, right? So I'm sitting at this in this uh, waiting room, and we're getting ready to go into a hotel luncheon. And there's Disney sitting there. He was a chain smoker, just smoking like a chimney. People smoked cigarettes back in those days. And uh, uh, that's something I never did, but never needed to, you know, because my, my, my fuel came from good ideas, learning them, sharing them, and sometimes taking them out of context. So we're sitting there on his couch, and Disney, chain smoker, 
He died a year and a half later of lung cancer, as it turned out. But he said, kid, don't forget this. There are seven creative ways to regenerate a good idea. And if it doesn't have that many arms and legs to it, it's not a good idea. That's profound stuff to be discussing with, with, with a child. So, what were they? Uh, well, the seven ways are how you reinvent your career, how you you move up from a career standpoint, how your your business goes through seven, six, and seven. You know, he used the number six. I use the number seven now. But but uh, seven is in all my books, seven stages of growth, seven stages of crisis recovery, seven stages of this, 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 and this. Anyway, so so he said uh, that, but what he meant with a good idea, regenerating a good idea, was how you take it into other media. And in the 1960s, we were already talking, he was already thinking cable TV. He was already thinking internet. Well, they didn't use that word at mm -hmm. the time. They said, the world is going to be much more connected. And I said to him, sir, you have a hit song out right now in one of your cartoons called It's a Small World After All. He said, exactly. That, that song is really about the growth of technology and the growth of humanity. And let's hope they grow together. Mm. He said that to me. So sitting on the other side of the couch was this guy, Howard Hughes, uh, the crazy business guru. He said, kid, I have an idea for you too. I said, yes, sir, Mr. Hughes. Turned around. He said, keep a pocket full of note cards and write this stuff down from, that you hear from people like us. He said, you're going to come up with book series one day. Oh, my goodness. And, 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 you know, and this was in 1965. Wow. And so you you learn what you learn when you learn it. Then you give a new coat of paint. That's where corporate visions and corporate reorganizations. So keeping what happen. you've learned and then bringing it up to date and current, but constantly reinventing what, you know, works and what I know works mm -hmm. are the business books that you've put together. Yeah. There are a couple of things I want to go back to. I want to go back to your business tree because when Hank talks about the business tree, for me, the most visual picture is something that you had in writing that said, it's not about the limbs. It's not about the leaves. It's about the entire tree. That is very symbolic to me and obviously to you. Mm -hmm. And that's why you go off of that. So within a company, we have to think about, yes, all the different entities and parts that make up that company, but it's the whole that right. has to be fertilized, watered, fed in order to stay strong. Mm -hmm. You talk in one of your books about what we learn from the pandemic mm -hmm. and if you can tell us again in just a couple of paragraphs or yeah. what did we learn what is the overall we learned lesson? that we should have valued our employees more and we should have treated them more like heroes sooner rather than later we learned that um, we should look at the warning signs of what the worst could have happened okay. if we hadn't changed what we needed to learn to do to grow. We also learned that we need other people. One of the things that I've long respected about the real estate community is its insistence on being, being inclusive being uh, sharing ideas with more people. I mean, you don't see this in accounting circles <laughs> uh, and, and with other professions that are very, these are, this is, we keep, you know, the way it always used to be and this is the way we're going to do it. There's never been, and that's one of the things I respect about the music industry. It's based on change. It's based on evolving from year to year to year, not just sitting around and thinking, well, maybe in 10 years we'll change. That's what causes businesses to go out of business. And I think the last thing that we learned is, where are you going moving forward? 
how are you going to handle the next crisis? And for a small business, the next crisis could be a cash shortfall uh, by a key customer who can't pay a bill, the loss of key customers, uh, a sexual harassment lawsuit in a small company. I mean, all kinds of issues, you know, there are, and, and research tells us, and I've written about that in one of the books. Uh, actually, I'd written an entire book about that years ago called The High Cost of Doing Nothing. That's where I was going next. That's, it That's means my favorite title. Nothing. And that was one of my earlier books. And, and, and I summarized that in a chapter in, in, in Big Picture Business Book Two. I did go back and summarize some of the earlier work succinctly and updated. And, and the high cost of doing nothing is thinking, this, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Keep things the way they seem or what we think were the same. Most people want to go back to what was and they don't really remember what was. So when I talked to your question earlier about asking, what are your core values? And I would ask these corporations, what was the joy that brought you into business is, an, is often one of my questions. And then the, the next one after that was, how did you fall out of love with your business? How long did you keep marking time? Mm -hmm. uh, and by then it's dying. And that's why I said 25% of, of the businesses that went out of business during the Should COVID period a long time ago, long time before that. And so, and then the last, the last comment I'd say about business recovery from COVID is always think about what's next. I have another concept in, that I write about called three rights offset or wrong. We don't want to live in a constant state of doom and gloom. It, we can't we can't as human beings do that we can't as businesses but we can think about how we're going to work together with each other a little better one of the best things i would recommend for everybody watching today is sit down and write just a one-page document to yourself and then turn around and share it with your customers on some of the business lessons i learned through the pandemic you, know, you don't have to write books. You don't have to write umpteen chapters on these subjects. But then you turn around and that becomes your, your year-end letter of thanks and appreciation to customers and suppliers and people within your supply chain. Uh, that's what makes for stronger supply chain management. That's what makes for recovering businesses is a willingness to learn what we just went through and maybe interpolate that to uh, what could be in the future. People say, and you know, say to me all the time, you, you write all these fun stuff and you tell these great anecdotes about the old days and good old days. It's not to live in the past. It's to learn from what worked then and redefine it. And that's why my, my new book series, <laughs> that's, that this is, this is, book is, is, is coming out pop music legends where I talk about that's my 14th book and uh, maybe if I'm lucky that will be my seventh Pulitzer nominated book but uh, but if you don't do it for the record for the awards it's not about awards you know you don't get anything well, from it but, but a, nice a pat on the back to be recognized because they're different ideas yeah and I'm trying to educate generations y and z on everything that happened in music 100 years before their time moving up and when they when they hear that that some person affected someone else who affected someone else who affected someone else i mean you know everyone on the cover of this book came from everybody from you know bob dylan beyonce the beatles frank sinatra Lady Gaga, they're all here, uh, and and they all learn from each other, and they acknowledge what they learned from the, those before them. You told me when we first met this morning, we know that Olivia Newton-John passed away yesterday. Yes. And just randomly, because he's such an amazing researcher, he was saying, well, Beyonce, Lady Gaga, 
they all learn certain things from those pop icons of the past, like Olivia Newton-John. And Lady Gaga, for example, who's, you know, clearly one of the leading people in, in music now, uh, Olivia Newton-John was one of her role models. Her other role models growing up, that's the thing, when you meet them or you talk to them, you always ask them, who were your influences? I mean, one of the biggest stories in rock, Rod Stewart, his role models were Al Jolson and Bing Crosby. And and uh, and, and the Beatles, you know, of course, you, they're, they're, their role models were, you know, Buddy Holly and, and uh, Chuck Berry and all those other guys. And whose role models were the Sinatras of their era. It's a continuum. And one of the things, there's one of the chapters in this book, not to get into that book too much, there's a chapter that I wrote about four years ago for that book on Christmas music. The one time of the year that you ever hear Bing Crosby's voice on the radio is when <laughs> Christmas you know, and people don't know about the Bing Crosby of the 1930s and 40s unless they start watching all those wonderful movies. But but you think of him as the voice of Christmas because he is and he was since the 1930s. But here you've got, uh, you know, Mariah Carey, who's on the cover, too, you know, is considered the queen of modern Christmas because of a record she made 25 plus years ago that suddenly came back to the charts and during COVID was the top Christmas record of the year. And it was a record she had made over 25 years earlier. That's the continuum. At the holiday season, you hear Andy Williams on the radio, an artist that you would never hear any other time in any format. And suddenly everybody's Sharing uh, ideas I love and music. how you've taken these artists, whom you know, yeah, and you've taken the idea of music and great leaders, icons, and you make us stop and think how some of our most creative moments is when we're listening to music, some of our saddest moments listening to music, mm -hmm. the why of that, and also how we can take music that we love yeah. And also movies that we love and sort of internalize mm -hmm. that display the person we are. Um, my favorite, again, are these books right here. Mm -hmm. Because when you are an independent contractor, as we all are, we're our own bosses. Yeah. The These are the legends. I love the nonprofit legends. But yeah. Learn a lot from that. But the four big pictures of business, ideas, and strategies, I just want to say, I personally, as I've written you many notes to say, I use them. They are very inclusive of everything. Um, and so today, when Hank and I first greeted each other and said hello, I said to him, you know, Hank, these books, and again, to have people like Beyonce giving you her testimonial to pop culture and, and your book and how you've written it. But I picked up one of these books and I said, you know, without question, your books, your materials will be in the Smithsonian one day. And he said, without question. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't get any more valid than that. They're already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, even business books. It's, they put me in. They said, even though you write about business, you still have some entertainment in each book. Yeah. You know, I what mean, a remarkable compliment. Yeah. But they are good, solid pieces of information to the point that during COVID, he was on a couple of national news shows talking about the corporate industry and how the pandemic is affecting it. I know CNN was one of them. Um, he and pod, they were podcasts and, podcast. and things too, including the one I did with yeah. you. But but you you constantly you jot those ideas and you think of how you're gonna pay it forward for the future. And I think being futuristic, if anything. Uh, very basic came out of our discussion today. We have the wonderful reference materials that are so, so helpful. 
we have, I call it like the enjoyment, but you're still learning from the mm. pop culture. But um, I just really believe that we can learn so much by stopping and thinking what's going to happen down the road? Am I prepared for the next cycle? And if so, how am I going to deal with it? And your business books go into all of the cycles Mm -hmm. and they're just absolutely a must read for people that are going to be their own business, their own entrepreneurs. You already are. And uh, you are just one of our icons that I'm so proud of. So that being said, looking back, your younger self, I mean, meeting Elvis at 10 years old or right, and Walt Disney, Howard Hughes, certainly president, certainly music icons, because they're all quoted with pictures in his books. Is there any advice that you might have looked back to give to your younger self that might have changed anything in your life? Or do you feel like it, it's just happened the way that it needed to happen. Well, it, it's uh, uh, Lady Bird set me on the right path to begin with. No, it didn't happen as fast as you know. And there was a time that that I would think, "What's next?" Well, it's up to all of us to make what's next. And oh, how would we invent ourselves? And 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 sometimes I I sit around and yeah, oh, even I get a regret or two from time to time. But the regret is that that too many other people that I've had to, to work with and that I've tried to work with don't get it. And it hurts me sometimes that I that people are so hard headed that they don't want to change, that they fight, they resist. And I used to keep a file folder of those great ideas that I would offer to companies. And they went over their heads. They didn't understand it. Often, I called that lessons learned but not soon forgotten. That became a chapter in one of these books where I talked about how some of the best ideas were either pitched to the wrong people at the wrong time, on the wrong circumstances. And sometimes you you keep those ideas and you turn around and sell them to another client down the road. That's that's. It's not quite that way that you, you you pluck ideas, but sometimes that's what you have to do. And and there's there's timing. Um, I had written something about the the stages of how we do ourselves in and how we pitch. We give people too many ideas too early. We give them the wrong things, and it just it still hurts me that a lot of people are their own worst enemy. Those particular words we use from time to time in the classroom where the instructor is teaching a how to make money in real estate and, and talking the basics. And it really bothers us that our new people aren't writing those down. And yes, they are yeah. in the book, but it's always the thought, well, I'm going to reinvent the wheel. Well, okay, reinvent the wheel, but also take these tried and true pieces of good information and work on those as well. Yeah, you you readapt the wheel to you. You customize it. You customize That's what the makes wheel. you stand out. Everybody has competition. You know who my biggest competition is? Is misinformation. Uh, you know. And, and I started writing all these books because no one else was. And I mean, my God, if you want, you look at where people, and there's a chapter on that in, in the book, where people get their business education. And, and the first two or three levels are terrible levels. Most people get everything they did through hearsay, uh, through secondhand, through thirdhand, from things they read on the internet, most of which are wrong. I mean, internet websites are filled with misinformation, big surprise. And, uh, you know, very rarely do people decide, I want to hire an advisor to really help me ground my business. Uh, I do something, people go, the the surprise, even working with small business, it's called a uh, 
institutional review, just sometimes asking some of the basic questions that the other advisors never would have thought to ask. And where are you going? How are you going to go? Who's going to help you get there? How are you going to reward them? How are you going to breed cooperation? You know, one thing Champions is good about doing is inspiring long-term relationships. You know, not only some of these people go through these these classes, it's, it, you know, it's like they come back, they should come back for a, a class reunion every few years. It's that cohesive of a business body of knowledge that you've got here. And that's why people come here. That's why they stay and they should keep coming back. There, there should be an alumni association. The Alumni Association is a bunch of uh, successful people in real estate, exactly. but they can still come together and acknowledge and come in occasionally and meet and greet the young people. What we always do is invite our brokers to come in regularly, meet and greet. Um, With the monthly interviews, we take our successful agents in real estate from all over and bring them in just as we did you today to talk about their success stories, what they do in order to be the success they are, whether it is San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Midland, Odessa, El Paso, the Valley, all over. And that being said, next two weeks on August the 23rd, we have one of our superstars from San Antonio coming in to talk about the luxury market tomorrow straight. And we'll get to interview her on the luxury market and how that works for her. And Champions then takes all of our superstar people and we put them into our success series books. We take the interviews and bring it down into print on Secrets to Success. And then for new people or people that want to improve, their income level, I have 30 days to success in real estate, how to start out and keep growing your business. But I want to go back over here. How do our wonderful students watching get purchase a Hank Moore book, if not all of the four business series and the pop culture? How is the best way to purchase? Well, for this group, I'm going to give you a direct email address. I don't okay. do that too too often. I mean, there's. I mean, don't go to Amazon. Uh, and and I say that's not against Amazon, but ninety seven percent of the time, research tells us people say they're going to Amazon never do. Uh, the, I'm going to give you a direct uh, email. Right, send me an, an email with your contact information. I will then send you information on how to get a signed, autographed. Uh, copies of the book and then you can you know pay by you know pay power or Perfect. something and it's h more h m o o r e at silverfox.org s i l v e r f o x dot o o r g hank more at silverfox.org org and uh, then if you'll do that and then we'll send you the information, hmore at silverfox.org. I have other email addresses, but that'll get you there directly. Uh, uh, and then we'll send you the information. I know Excellent. people, th- there's no way otherwise you can order through websites and all that kind of stuff, but you're still not going to know. And, and surprisingly, um, people miss opportunities because they missed the wrong book or they didn't get whatever. Well, you are one of my icons. You're one of my legends. And um, before we leave today, I want to also do a shout out to another person very important to our company, Kimberly Didalowitz, mm-hmm. who offices in the North Dallas Plano market. And Kimberly is the president of our company in just this month, celebrating 24 years within Champion School of Real Estate. Wow has helped in the growth and development of our company to the max. And uh, we could not be the company we are without our incredible managers, our career counselors, our online department, as well as our live broadcast, everyone within 
our Champion School of Real Estate with our dedicated, incredible instructors and quality textbooks make us a legend in the real estate industry. Thank you so much for that. Without your business students, we don't have one. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your business. Hank Moore, I'm so impressed with who you are and so happy to call you friend. I highly endorse all of his amazing books. Do you want to know what successful people in real estate do every day? Learn the how, the why, the what of their daily success by tuning in to our Champion School of Real Estate podcast every week. Every Wednesday, we will add new insights to elevate your entrepreneurship and help you make new breakthroughs in your business. You can do it. We can help at Champion School of Real Estate Weekly Podcast.